Welcome to the Change Management Reviews Podcast, where we bring the best of change management to you. Today, our managing editor, Brian Gorman, goes into the field and interviews leading change management professionals just like you, directly from the trenches of the work we do, to study perspectives for breakthroughs and aha moments that could make the difference for what you're working on today. And today, I'm here with Chris Mayer. Chris is a career Army officer who's serving as Associate Dean for Strategy, Policy, and Assessment, and Associate Professor of Philosophy at the United States Military Academy at West Point. Chris has led, been part of, or observed efforts to enact change designed to improve military and higher education organizations. He also currently serves as a Teagle Assessment Scholar at the Center of Inquiry and an evaluator and workshop leader for the Middle States Commission on Higher Education. Welcome, Chris. Thanks, Brian. It's great to be here, and thank you for the opportunity to talk to you today. I'm really excited about uh, today's podcast because um, I think you've got an amazing story to tell, and while it's focused in higher education, the, the lessons that come out of this story I think are much more broadly applicable. So let's begin, Chris, what are some of the challenges and opportunities facing higher education today? Well, Brian, it's a very challenging environment for colleges and universities. Um, You know, the competition for students has increased a great deal. And part of this reason is because there's a declining number of high school graduates, you know, they expect over the next 20 years that the number to be flat or even declining and with the same number of of colleges and universities and some new types of programs competing, um, it's just a challenge to to try to attract the students that you want. Another one is cost. Um, You know, since 1990, tuition costs of public universities have raised about 344% and at private ones, 241%. You know, and you probably heard about the student loan debt that's 141.45 trillion, sorry. And it's actually a lot more than U.S. credit card debt. So, you know, Americans are reacting against this and more people than usual are skeptical about sending their children or themselves going to college. And you're also hearing from employers that, you know, they're not, that the college graduates are getting are not um, possessing the skills they need, even though the students themselves believe they have the skills. You know, some of the skills that employers want are um, critical thinking, communication, ability to work in a team, um, sort of attention to detail, and they're not, a great deal aren't satisfied right now on what college graduates possess. Um, and some other things, you know, parents more than normal are thinking that a college degree isn't worth it. Um, many students are beginning college but not finishing, which gives them debt but not the degree to help get a position to offset that debt. Um, and some millionaires um, like Peter Thiel of PayPal is discouraging people from attending college, even offering a fellowship to help those that don't. And, and really, the, a big 
part of the sector that's struggling is the, the uh, colleges that's enrolled at less than 1,000, which Sweet Briar is one. But given all this, there's a lot of success stories happening, a lot of innovation happening related to providing more access to potential students, to lowering costs, to improving the quality of learning, um, increasing student engagement, increasing completion rates, and helping with career services so that students get uh, decent jobs coming out of college. And, and the fact is that the lifetime earnings of a person with a degree is still a great deal higher than those without. And so even with all the challenges, there's still some good news for colleges and universities in this environment. So you mentioned Sweetbriar College, and, and you have talked with me earlier about Sweetbriar as an example of a college that's impacted by these challenges, but that has responded with a uh, wide-ranging, ambitious, and, and I would say a highly innovative change agenda. Why is this? Well, they, they almost closed. The, um, in 2015, uh, their board of trustees decided that they didn't have the enrollment and the endowment to continue. And much of this was because of the um, challenges I mentioned earlier. But they're also a, a smaller college. They're women only, which for some that isn't really desirable. They're a private college with high tuition and they're in a rural location, so they're not close to potential employers or places where students can easily do internships. So, so yeah, they in February of 2015, the Board of Visitors, or Board of Trustees, sorry, voted unanimously to close, but the school's alums, you know, reacted very vigorously. They raised a great deal of money. They uh, organized, they filed lawsuits, and kept the college open. Um, and so this year, the college came out with an ambitious, innovative change agenda. Um, the first thing they did was they decided to kind of revamp their core curriculum with a focus on women's issues and um, more interdisciplinary connections throughout this uh, required curriculum. It, and to help do that, they did away with their 20 academic departments which in higher ed is a big deal. I mean, people take pride in the discipline and their department. And in their place, they've, or they've created these interdisciplinary centers of excellence dedicated to solving contemporary problems such as engineering, science, technology, and society, human and environmental sustainability, and creativity, design, and arts. They've changed the way time is structured at the college. They've moved from the traditional fall and spring semesters with 15 weeks each to a three-week, 12-week, 12-week, three-week schedule, which allows them to have these two three-week terms to incorporate experiential, experiential learning opportunities such as research, internships, and study abroad. And they've also provided funding to help students participate in these things so that those that can't afford it um, are able to, to actually participate. And finally, they, they've cut tuition a great deal, 32%. And this is to make them competitive with selective public universities in Virginia, as well as competitive with out-of-state tuition. So th and these are huge changes to happen all at once. 
you know, over 10 years, it wouldn't be a big deal, but to happen all within a year and to, to gain consensus from the staff and faculty on them is pretty significant. I'm not sure I know of any college that that would willingly abandon its its traditional department structure even in 10 years. Right. Yeah, it's, a, it's a big deal. Very big deal. What, what lessons related to change management can be learned from Sweetbriar? So I think the first thing is um, transformational change like at Sweetbriar can actually advance existing missions and traditions. Um, Sweetbriar's had the same mission statement since 2004, and what these changes re represent is a way to better fulfill that mission. Um, sometimes faculty and staff avoid change because they think it reflects a shift away from the mission or the school's traditions, and sometimes it does and it should. But I think in the case, this case, these changes strengthen the commitment to and fulfillment of the mission. Um, you know, it, it's strengthening the aspects of the Sweet Buyer mission that focus on developing their students, women leaders, into responsible members of the rural community, as the mission says, as well as leaders through this new curriculum and opportunities to learn away from Sweetbriar. But when doing something like this, it's important that leaders communicate and demonstrate how the proposed change supports the mission and traditions of the institution or of any organization. Um, by doing this, by connecting what you're doing to the identity, the tradition, the missions of the organization, you reduce resistance and increase commitment. Another thing is for transformational change to be successful, it must touch the entire institution. And so it is significant that so many parts of the institution were impacted by this change. But given that it wanted transformational change, this was necessary. You couldn't have an interdisciplinary curriculum without doing away with the departments, without the silos that those sometimes cause. You couldn't have more experiential learning without changing the way time is structured at Sweetbriar. And, and to be competitive, to even get students in the door, you had to change the tuition. So, so again, really with the, the lesson here for any organization is if you want to transform it, it can't just be one thing. It couldn't just be the curriculum or the time. It's got to be, it's got to touch across the institution and, and impact everyone. Another thing is colleges must keep moving forward. Um, not, I and many other people were inspired by the response of the Sweet Buyer alums, and it shows that they did something right. Like they're, they obviously had a good experience there, and they, they value their school, but you can't rest on things like this or even the quality of your program, but you have to take stock of where you are and the new environment and how well you're achieving your mission, and also look at the successes and failures of other colleges and universities, because this pressure has been on for a number of years. Um, when I think about an ideal culture that keeps a college or any organization moving forward, I'm always reminded of an article titled Never Let It Rest, Lessons About Student Success from High-Performing Colleges and Universities. And so the authors highlight um, successful colleges, the characteristics that make them high-performing. 
But again, this could be related to any organization. And they describe this concept called positive restlessness. And they say, confident as to who and what we, they are, their motivation for doing better generally is internal. And they continuously monitor what they're doing, where they are, and where they want to go in order to maintain momentum. Although generally self-critical, they aren't plagued by a culture of complaint, in large part because of their bent toward innovation. And they, they talk about what needs to be fixed all the time. It's very much a part of their culture. And so I, I think any organization has to keep moving forward and, and keep looking at where they need to go. And this idea of positive restlessness is a good one. Um, another lesson is colleges must be distinctive and demonstrate the value of their ex educational experience, what they offer students. And it's not really enough to have a mission statement that's distinctive or even to be a woman's college when there's so few left in the country, the entire institution and student experience must be organized to deliver the value expressed in the mission statement. And of course, this must be, must be the right mission given the environment. And so what Sweetbriar did was change its organizational structure, its curriculum, its time allocation, its tuition, so that it can be more distinctive and kind of live up to the promise of its mission. And so really for any organization, um, you can't be everything to everyone. You have to really find um, where you need to go and, and what your identity should be to attract the students or the customers you want. And I think that this sort of change reflects that. And finally, um, colleges are capable of changing faster than many think. Um, many often criticize higher ed for the slowness in which it changes, and this is due to its shared governance system and really the perceived resistance to change of staff and faculty. Yet the Sweetbuyer case shows that they were able to agree through a shared governance process on significant reforms in a short period of time. And of course they were under an existential threat that other colleges may not be under and organizations as well. But really what more and more colleges need to do is look out over the horizon and see what opportunities and threats are there and respond appropriately. And really any organization, again, needs to have this idea of positive restlessness and be real realistic about the environment and really be willing to change, not take years to do it, but to respond in a way that that meets the challenges that you're facing. The only other thing that really jumps out to me about the change you're describing, and, and again, it is um, applicable across any transformational change, is when you're making all of these changes in, in what you're doing and how you're doing it and what the the political structure of the organization is and uh, the, the formal structure of the organization is and, and so forth and so on. Um, people have to show up differently. You could, yeah. you could do all of that. And, and if the faculty, for example, still comes into um, an interdisciplinary center of excellence, not open to the other disciplines that, that are reflected there, um, then you're not going to succeed. So right. 
um, you know, I, I often work with my clients around the fact that you have to transform yourself uh, in order to transform your organization. Yeah, and I think, um, yeah, I think you're exactly right. And people have to buy into this vision and the leaders have to role model it. And even I think of like their, their promotion and tenure, the incentive structure there has to in some way reflect that, look, uh, interdisciplinary is kind of the way we're moving. And that's, we're going to judge you in some part on that rather than the way we did before this happened. But yeah, that's a, that's a good point. We just have a, a few minutes left here, Chris, but I wanted to ask you, how can colleges, universities, and other organizations develop the capacity to change so that they're able to thrive in today's rapidly changing and challenging environment? I think you think any organization needs to have whatever you call it, but a culture of positive restlessness that um, even the best schools need to have it, that, that there might be a better way, not, not to change for change's sake, but that you're always trying to continually improve how you uh, achieve your institutional mission or, or your department mission or this learning in your classroom. They have to take seriously the environment. They have to be aware of the challenges and opportunities that are happening out there what other similar organizations are doing, um, their failures and successes. Um, if you can, there's, there's been a great deal of, of um, a great number of collaborations between institutions that are happening. One's the University Innovation Alliance, where they're sharing, um, but usually it would be confidential, but they're sharing their successes and failures regarding getting more students to complete their programs. And of course, adapting them to their own institutional context, but really learning from others. Um, we maybe talked before about data, like that institutions, especially um, small colleges, need to be able to use data effectively to inform their decisions and their direction. Um, and, and really, the, the process of change, um, th there has to be a productive process that allows people to uh, participate to look at data uh, and determine how to respond if, if the response is needed, but to be able to do so in a way that doesn't take years and years, but that, um, that is done fairly quickly enough to respond to, to any, any really challenges that could harm the institution. Um, and, and finally, and there's a lot of talk about initiative fatigue. And so when possible, focusing, but when, when you can't, having a shared vision, which I think Sweetbriar did about, um, that kind of frames all of these initiatives and guides them to allow everyone to, to buy in and understand where you're headed. And again, that's relevant for any institution, that the vision where you're headed is, is vitally important. Thank you, Chris. Um, I, I think, as you've rightly pointed out, there are an incredible number of lessons um, related to uh, transformational change here. And, and the final one I'd like to point out is you know, Sweetbriar had a long, strong culture and tradition, um, which many organizations, not just higher education, have. Um, and yet it was able to completely um, 
rethink its future and and its structure um, while honoring the past but positioning itself for success in the future and that says to me that any organization with the desire to do so um, also has that opportunity thank you again thank you brian and um We'll talk with you soon. We hope you've enjoyed today's podcast, listening to Brian Gorman, our managing editor. Be sure to check out our website at changemanagementreview.com. We also invite you to follow us on Facebook and Twitter and join us on LinkedIn. Thanks for listening.